Thanks for all the adjustments you, you guys make. Everybody, a lot of you don't know what's happening behind the scenes on a lot of Sunday mornings, so thank you uh, for making all those adjustments and in the booth as well. Thank you for doing that. Let's pray together. Lord, we do believe. <clears throat> we just come to trust in you. We believe, help our unbelief. Help us where we struggle. Help us trust you more. Help us believe that you're coming again. Help us believe that we will be raised up. And we will dwell with you forever if we trust in you. So Lord, as we come to your word again today, help us believe. Help us believe in the truth that you taught us. I pray that as your word is read and proclaimed, that it might bring honor and glory to your name and your name alone. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Well, I'm finishing out John uh, chapter 12. Uh, wanted to get that finished before I uh, took off, so we're, uh, we're going to finish out uh, this chapter. John chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 44 to 50. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Well, our text this morning really marks the end of Jesus' public ministry. Because he begins to move, as I said last week, into teaching uh, to his disciples and, and getting his disciples ready uh, for his crucifixion and resurrection. And John here in this last text seems to offer a bit of a summary of Jesus' ministry, of Jesus' teaching throughout his ministry. Th these verses are, if you will, a summary of who Jesus is and what he, it means for us to believe in Jesus. And the first thing we see is the identity of Jesus. Verses 44 to 45 again. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Jesus said, whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Jesus is God. And that's a theme that we've seen from the very beginning of John's gospel. John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The importance of the deity of Jesus is that we know God only in Jesus. If, jo if Jesus is not God, then you and I do not fully know God. We do not fully know what God is like. If God did not choose to reveal Himself in creation, and then in His special revelation of Scripture, and then in Jesus, we would not have knowledge of God. If God hadn't revealed Himself, He hadn't chosen to reveal Himself, we could hold all kinds of conferences and we could talk about how God is this or God is that or we, we might say, I, I think God cares for us or I think God loves us. But the way we know this is true is in Jesus. God reveals Himself fully in Jesus Christ. What is God like? Well, the answer is God is like Jesus. Again, because of Jesus, we don't have to merely think and hope God is love. We know God is love. We don't just have to think and hope God is holy and righteous and good. In Jesus, we know He is. We don't just think God is wise and compassionate and able to heal. In Jesus, we know He is. Because God and Jesus are one. 
You see, the wonderful beauty of having the life of Jesus recorded in the Gospels is we don't have to think, oh, I wish I knew what God was like. No, we know what God is like. All we need to do is to turn our eyes upon Jesus. I think Bucky's already got a sermon titled, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, if I remember looking ahead, something like that coming up. Um, But it's true, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Something else we see about this, about Jesus in this summary statement is that Jesus is the light of the world. Verse 46, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And again, this has been the message from the very beginning of the gospel. John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 9, 5. Jesus again says, I'm the light of the world. So what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? Well, it means that apart from Jesus, this world is in darkness. Apart from Jesus, this world is in darkness. That doesn't mean that the world has no glimmerings of light. We were made in God's image, and so even after the fall of humankind, when we're at the very top of our game, when we're doing our absolute best, we reflect some light, but at at its best, it's dim light. It's dim light. We can think some good thoughts and do some good things, but they are far from perfect. So that which is pure goodness and truth and righteousness can only be seen in the light of Jesus. For again, Jesus shows us who God is. And seeing the true light of Jesus, we, we begin to realize our own darkness. When we see that Jesus is the light, you and I can't help but see how dark our hearts can be sometimes. When we compare ourselves with others, we may be able to say, well, you know, I'm not so bad. At least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. But that's not the comparison, is it? In the bright and beautiful and holy light of Jesus, we begin to see how lost we are. We begin to see how dark we really are. But saying Jesus is the light also means that we can be lifted out of the darkness. He doesn't leave us there in the darkness. Jesus didn't come just to reveal that he's the light. He didn't come just to reveal that we're lost in darkness. Verse 46 again, I have come into the world as light. What does it say? So that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. You see, Jesus has come into the world to overcome our darkness. He's come to the world to lift us out of the darkness by means of his marvelous light. We, we don't have to stay in the darkness of our sin and despair. The solution is to believe in the light, to believe in Jesus. And if Jesus is the light, and He is, we should not only believe in the light, but we should walk in the light. 1 John 1, beginning with verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us 
from all sin. You see, if we believe in Jesus, we're going to have fellowship with Jesus, and then we're going to walk in the light of Jesus. Paul in Ephesians 5, 8, 9 puts it this way, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. The fruit of light is goodness and righteousness and truth. And the word good here refers to moral excellence. It refers to being good in nature and effectiveness. It speaks of living a life of goodness in which we're willing to sacrifice and to do for others. The word right or righteousness here means first to walk in right relationship with God. And it also refers to living right, to pursuing righteousness. And the word truth has to do with honesty and reliability and trustworthiness and integrity. I'll never forget as long as I live. I don't remember much about my, my dad's funeral. I was uh, only 27 years old when he passed. But I remember full well that the minister saying Dick Redmond was a man of integrity. And, and that's who he was. That's who my dad was. That when he told you something, he meant it. One way or the other. <laughs> you know, I think I've told you before. When he told me he was going to buy me my first car, he bought me my first car. But when he told me he was going to take the belt off and wear me out, he took the belt off and, and wore me out. Uh, we're to be people of integrity. I'll, I'll always remember that. But goodness pertains primarily to our relationships with others. Righteousness primarily to our relationship with God. And truth primarily to personal integrity. All three are present when you and I walk with Christ. You see, Jesus comes that you and I might not live in darkness. He's the light of the world. He's the only true source of light. And in His light, we realize our own darkness. But the good news is that we don't have to stay in that darkness. Jesus lifts us out of the darkness so that we can walk in His light every day. And that's the wonderful good news. It's the gospel. And I urge you today, whether you're here, whether you're listening at home, or whether you listen to this later this week, if you've never believed in Jesus, believe in Him now, this very moment. I pray that this very moment would be the moment of salvation for you. For there's a warning in our text. There's a warning in our text about unbelief. Verses 47 to 49. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. There's no getting around the fact, my friends, that there is a danger in unbelief. Jesus warns of a future day of judgment. Today is the day of grace. Right now, Jesus offers himself as Savior to any who would believe. But Jesus does not mince his words. He came and he clearly taught that he's the light of the world. And if we reject him and his teaching, we will be left without excuse on the day of judgment. The author of Hebrews wrote it this way, Hebrews 9. And justice is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him.
You see, Jesus' first coming was to bear our sins upon the cross. And in the in-between the in time, there's an invitation to come to Him and to accept and to believe in what He has done for us. But the second coming will not be to deal with sin. It'll be too late to deal with sin then. The ones who will be saved are those who have trusted in Him and who eagerly wait for Him to return. That's a difficult teaching. Some of us don't like it. There are those even among Christians who seem to deny that Jesus will come in judgment. But the Apostle Peter warned us against such teaching nearly 2,000 years ago. 2 Peter 3. He says, Scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. And they will say, where is the promise of His coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. You see, because Jesus hadn't returned, in Peter's day, he wrote to warn the people. He said, don't be confused about Jesus' delay. He is coming back. Now, 2,000 years later, Jesus still hasn't returned, and people are basically saying, nothing has changed. Everything's the same. Maybe Jesus isn't coming back. But beloved, an essential of our faith is to believe in Jesus' return and that there will be a day of judgment for everyone. We will all face and stand before our Lord and Savior. And I want to ask you, what will you say when the Lord asks you, what right do you have to come into my heaven? What right do you have to come into my heaven. Will you say, I've done a lot of good things? That's good, but God will probably say, not good enough. My standard is perfection. Will you say, I've attended church most Sundays? Well, that's great. But standing in a church doesn't necessarily make you a Christian any more than standing in a garage makes you a car. That alone will not give you the right to enter into heaven. The only answer that will suffice, beloved, is for you and I to say something like this, I come by no merit of my own. The, the only reason, Lord, I can possibly come into your heaven is because the Lord Jesus died for me and He took my sins. He took the punishment I deserve. And Lord, I put my trust in You as Savior. And it's only by Your grace it's only by your grace that I may enter into your heaven. Beloved, please do not put off trusting in Christ. He will return. He, and we will face judgment. And our only hope is trusting in Jesus as our Savior. In verse 50, Jesus said, And I know that His commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Jesus says God's commandment is eternal life. What commandment is He talking about? Well, in the context, it seems to me He's referring to one commandment. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. That was the clear teaching and commandment of Jesus. It was a clear teaching of the early church. It continues to be the commandment for God's people. 
You know, when I was looking ahead at the Gospel of John while also preparing for sabbatical, I thought, wow, (laughs) the sermons leading up to my sabbatical are going to be tough. They're going to be hard to hear. If we listen carefully, they're going to bring a lot of conviction. I mean, July 2nd, we dealt with death and the Christian's approach and response to death. July 9th, I remind you that the only way to find true satisfaction in life is to deny self and take up your cross and follow Jesus. July 16, I ask you to repeatedly look at the cross and to be deeply moved by the agony and the love and the forgiveness you see there. Last week, I reminded you that we cannot be secret believers. There's a cost to discipleship, and that includes an open confession of Jesus, no matter what others might think or say or do. (laughs) And then this week, I've had to remind you that judgment is coming. And that our hope, our hope, please hear the hope part, is to believe in Jesus. I was tempted for this sermon at least to do something that was, quote, a feel-good sermon. There was a great temptation, as I said in the office, if I I do a really good, feel-good sermon, maybe they'll fondly miss me while I'm gone. But honestly, I can think of no better way to depart from you And to be away for this season than by reminding you of the truth of God's Word. No matter how hard it is to swallow. No matter how convicting it might be. For as I said last week, my calling, your calling is not to please people, but to bring glory to God. And again, I can think of no better way to set out on sabbatical than by reminding you that in Jesus, we see God. And Jesus is the light of the world. And by believing in Him, we are saved. Hold on to that truth, beloved, whether we're here together or whether we're apart. Hold on to that truth. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. No maybes. You will be saved. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, the light of the world. Lord, we thank you for the great grace that you've poured out upon us in Jesus. We thank you that by believing in Jesus, we are saved. You didn't put a maybe in that sentence. There was no hesitation. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. We thank you, Lord, that if we've trusted, our salvation is sure. And so, Lord, if there's anyone listening today who has not trusted in you, we pray that this would be the day they do so. We pray that right now, And these these moments would be their moment of salvation. For those of us who are saved, empower us, O God, to walk in the light of Jesus. Empower us to walk in His goodness, to walk in His righteousness, 
to walk in His truth and send us out this day and every day to reflect Your light. To You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all glory, praise, and honor today and forevermore. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace today and forevermore. Amen.